You know, I could spend a lot of money advertising this show, but actually nothing is as powerful as word of mouth. So if you're really enjoying the show, then please share the show with a few of your friends who you think would enjoy it also. Another great thing that you can do is leave us a five-star rating and a review. Five-star ratings and reviews are how Apple Podcasts and other podcatchers help to identify shows of interest and introduce them to new people. If you do those couple things for us, then we'll be able to keep on growing this show and producing this content for you. That's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about many hats. The behind-the-scenes aspects of almost any job are surprising, and those of a working professional artist are no exception. So much goes on that has little, if anything, to do with actually making art. Maintaining a studio, tracking inventory and expenses, photographing work, keeping up a website, engaging in social media, answering emails, staying in touch with galleries, and handling countless other details of an art practice. All of these tasks are time-consuming, and each requires its own skill set. Most artists do all of this on their own without any assistance, learning as they go, and over time they find what actually works for them. Today we look at the frustration and rewards for artists as they constantly change out their many hats. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. Uh, this topic is on my mind because at the moment I'm preparing for um, the studio tour in my town here in New Mexico, the Dixon Studio Tour. And uh, the number of hats that I've been putting on and taking off for the last week or so, uh, you know, it just, it just brought all this to my mind because there's so many little tasks involved with a project like this. And that's true, you know, all the time ongoing for artists. Um, and in this case, I mean, specifically, specifically just getting everything ready to present and hang and um, the publicity and the pricing and the cleaning up and all the details of actually making sales to people. You know, how do I take the money in? How do I record this? Uh, where are people going to park? I mean, it's just, it's endless. And it's all fine. It's under control. And I'm excited about the tour. And I want to say, um, if any of our listeners are in the Santa Fe or Taos area, I would love to meet you if you want to come. Uh, it's on this weekend, November 6th and 7th from 9 to 5. And if you just stop in the center of Dixon, you can pick up a map and find me. I am at number 31. So anyway, that's that's my little pitch for the Dixon Studio Tour. But as I said, it makes me think about, in general, ongoing, how many tasks that we as artists have to, to learn to be at least competent at. And I would say at least competent are kind of key words because um, I, along with a lot of people, I'm sure, have some tendencies towards perfectionism. And... I think with with this amount of stuff that we take on, we do have to accept that you're not going to be good at everything. Uh, sometimes good enough is is fine, <laughs> because you know it's such a range of things, and it's not just you're not just an artist, but you're you know a handy person, an accountant, a photographer, savvy with social media. You have to be a cleaning person. Sometimes you cater food. <laughs> I mean, all these things. 
Well, and and in any kind of business practice, but uh, you know, also with art, I often recommend to people to uh, outsource everything that you possibly can, mm-hmm. and that sometimes is practical and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you just have to do it yourself. <laughs> um, but is if there are tasks that you can outsource to somebody else who is a little bit more competent. Um, or a little bit more more capable of being able to complete that task in a in a timely manner, efficiently, and, uh, and to a high standard. Um, mm-hmm. Then, uh, if it's cost effective for you, um, you know, oftentimes uh, we spend hours of our lives working on things that uh, a relatively small amount of money uh, paid to a professional can solve. I totally agree, and I I think when I uh, in a bit, when we get into talking about kind of handling this, that's a really, that's a very important point. But as you say, too, there are a lot of kind of smaller things that you just, it's in the moment, and you just have to figure it out and, and deal with it. And I would I would say, too, that this can be kind of surprising, because even if you've been doing this kind of thing, you've been handling a studio practice for years, you can still... um come up with new situations that you don't know what to do about. It's sort of like it's a never-ending learning curve. And um, actually learning to do things that you're going to be doing ongoing and may have trouble outsourcing is, you know, it's a really good idea. Um, But I think naturally enough, when you encounter all these different tasks, you're going to find that you are deficient in something. I think everybody... kind of says at some point, I'm really not good at this thing. Um, And it might be keeping records or um, being active on social media. A lot of artists have trouble with that. Keeping up your website, um, keeping in touch with your galleries. Some of these are apply to me. I'm, I'm good with social media for the most part, but being organized, record keeping and so on, I've always found um, really hard. And and so then at the same time, you're still trying to work in your studio time, of course. And it, it's, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> and I think you can look at somebody else, some friend of yours or somebody you're acquainted with, and you say, wow, that person has it all together. They seem to be doing all of these things. And, and it's easy to think that you fall short because you know, you already know what your downfalls are. And I I would guess that without an assistant or hiring and outsourcing quite a few things, the reality probably is that not many artists are both on top of all of these tasks and doing them well and making good artwork. <laughs> I just think we can't do it all. And so part of the point of what I'm going to talk about today or what we're going to go over is letting go of some things whether you're outsourcing them or whether you're just accepting that you're not going to do them as well as you possibly could, or maybe figuring out strategies for how to schedule them in. Um, Starting with just accepting that there's going to be some holes in what you do. (laughs) There's going to be some places where you fall short. And um, I don't know. I think that's, that's a matter of accepting and dealing with it. And, you know, it's not, maybe it's not, the attitude that you hear a lot when you listen to things about art business and so on, it, it can be really intimidating because 
a lot of times there's all these checklists and all these things that you're supposed to do every week and every month. (laughs) What is the reality? Who does that? I don't know. Maybe some people do. Um, But are they also spending enough time in their studio to get some good work done? So um, one of the things that is kind of helpful that I use is um, the idea of limiting certain things and just saying, okay, um, I'm not going to get out my newsletter. I'm not going to put that newsletter out all that often. And I think I started out thinking I was going to do it um, four times a year, every quarter. And maybe I did that for a little while. I don't think I did. Uh, Now it sort of comes out when I feel the need, (laughs) which might only be once or twice a year. And I realize nobody's checking their calendar to see, you know, has Rebecca's newsletter come out? It's time. (laughs) They get the newsletter and the email and they say, oh, okay, there's something here. But they're not going to miss it if it's not there. So it's just kind of a reality check, I think. Um, Yeah, people don't tend to miss things like that unless they're happening on a very regular basis. Exactly. Every week or every month. Exactly. It's it's as needed. Um, Another advice uh, that I saw somewhere that made sense to me was if social media is huge, right? I mean, you, we all know we can spend endless time at it. And we all know there's more than one platform for artists. And so to pick one social media platform or two that you're going to be regular with and forget the rest. Like I don't do Pinterest at all. There's nothing wrong with Pinterest. I think it's probably great. But I I do Instagram and Facebook and I'm not all that great at Instagram. I try to I try to keep it up because one of the advice uh some of the advice with Instagram is you're supposed to do it several times a week or every day or something and no way I'm going to say when I have a new painting I'll put it on and that's kind of that's kind of my comfort zone there. Um well and and uh Instagram and Facebook have some some interesting compatibility features uh they which do. which mean that the two play very well together. Um and uh and Facebook tends to be one of those places that is a little bit more valuable for um for creators and entrepreneurs. Mhm. Yeah. And I I haven't quite figured out all the um the, the way that they play together well. I know you can put your posts on both at the same time, things like that. So my, my own um, computer savviness has its limits. And I, I probably, you know, I have a list of things that one, one of these days I'm going to figure this all out. <laughs> but a lot of computer and tech things, I know from experience and I know from talking to other artists, you sort of figure out what you need to do and you can do that. And you may not get the big picture, uh, but you can function. And the problem with that, of course, is when something goes wrong, then it's much harder to figure it out because if you don't really get it from the ground up, but you just sort of know which buttons to click to make things work. Right. But, but I know the reality for many people is that's how they're operating. And it works pretty much most of the time. <laughs> so that's just an example of like accepting your limitations or something. You know, right. And and for me, like social media is one of those things that I, I kind of understand it. I understand how it works, but I just hate it. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> I mean, our, our listeners probably realize that I'm probably not I'm not very active at engaging with people uh, on Facebook when when you comment on things on uh, mm-hmm. the Studio page. And it's just because I'm not there. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I don't 
I, I, I avoid social media for the most part. And so it's very difficult for me to, to engage with it, um, you know, f- for the purposes of doing business. Cause I just, I just hate being there. <laughs> well, that's a great example of, okay, that's, you know, that's the hole in your fabric. It's like, okay, I'm not there. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I would love to outsource to, to somebody else, but I, it's probably not worth spending money on right now. Right. Um, but maybe in the future, maybe in the future, there's a role for somebody as <laughs> social media manager or something. And, and people do, they do have social media managers. I know artists that have them and, or businesses or galleries and things have often have them. Um, but, you know, it's just like kind of recognizing, I don't like this. I don't like to do it. Is it essential? If it is, then maybe I need to get somebody to help. If it isn't essential for now, it's okay. Let it go, you know? Well, I think that social media is a an example of something where um, if you're not good at it or, or you're like me and you just hate it, um, it, it might be something that's worth hiring somebody to do because uh, it, it's very good at generating sales. Yeah, it would it pay for itself probably. Yeah. So yeah. I you know, if you're gonna spend the money on hiring somebody to to do work for you, um, you know, you, you probably wanna focus on uh you're good at making art, you know, focus on that for you. And the things where you're gonna hire somebody, uh, you know, we do this with, with galleries. We we're essentially hiring somebody to sell our work for us. Yeah, for um, sure. And so that's that's a that's an area where if you're generating sales, it's generating income, then it's worth paying somebody to do that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's it's something that it will pay for itself. And I'm sure there are right. other categories like that. Um yeah, another another good one is is uh, you know people that will keep you out of jail or keep you out of trouble with the IRS. Um, <laughs> right, so accountants, yeah, accountants and, absolutely. And, yeah. Oh yeah. So <laughs> paying people to do things that keep you that keep you safe and keep you able to produce <laughs> producing your product, your art, right. or whatever is that's an important thing to spend money on too. Lawyers and accountants. I would hate trying to do my own taxes. That would be terrible. Um, so yeah, and then there are those things that just. They're sort of personal, and you, I mean, I don't know, messy studios, for example. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think it's okay to let your studio get messy. Most people who have messy studios get to the point where they will clean up. They'll spend a few hours at some point when they when things get too disorganized. But if you're spending a lot of time on this every day, um, you know, maybe that's something you could let go. Cleaning everything, cleaning all your tools, doing all this stuff that you believe is necessary, but, um, Hey, I'm telling you it probably isn't, but <laughs> that's just my own bias. Um, I, I don't know. It just involves sort of looking at where do you spend your time? What do you want to prioritize? And, and I have to say too, we're just talking about studio life here. I mean, so many artists have other jobs and day jobs, whatever side, side jobs. And some of these would be um, not related to art at all, and some would be. And and all of those different things also require you to know what you're doing, right? But I, I want to say that when um, you're doing something else to generate money that is art-related, it's kind of a pitfall where the lines can blur, and it can make the time that you're spending on your job seem like art time uh, if you're teaching art or teaching workshops, and it can easily encroach on actually making art. <laughs> uh, and, and it's a good overlap, I mean, most of the time, because 
teaching and making art feed one another. But I, I have to say that it's easy to, to slip into, uh, you know, you're thinking about art, you're writing about art, but you're not making it enough. And so to try to find those, those boundaries and ways of scheduling and committing to your studio time in, in regards to your other job, whatever it is, you know, it's pretty important. Um, Let's take a quick break to talk about what's new with Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are excited to be launching year two of Cold Wax Academy's membership program, which began in October of 2020. In the coming year, live online learning sessions will feature an entirely new set of topics, beginning with a deep dive into technique and the steps involved in developing a painting. Other topics for year two include professional development, abstraction and realism, principles of design, and expanded uses for cold wax medium. As always, members will have access to recordings of all previous sessions, including everything from the first year, so it's easy to join anytime. Fall quarter begins October 6th. Please visit coldwaxacademy.com for details. That's coldwaxacademy.com about membership levels and to sign up for a new year of exciting learning experiences. So once again, that's coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. So I think we should talk about, given your own circumstances and everybody's are going to be different, what's, how's the, you know, how do you do the best that you can in given your own circumstances? And I think that attitude really is important. And what I mean is sort of a willingness to learn, to take on what's required, because as I mentioned earlier, even in a pretty advanced career, and you've been doing it for years, there's going to be firsts first times where you say, uh, 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 this is new to me. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I really believe that we are all, in fact, capable of learning a lot of different skills. And so in general, I would say, don't sell yourself short. Um, the example that comes to mind is um, using some new technology. And, and you know that it takes some time to get good at things. So uh, this came up for me when I started doing online teaching. This was a big learning curve to to be uh, on screen, to be prepared, to switch out PowerPoints and videos. And, you know, it, it's just, uh, it was unknown to me. And at first I thought, I, I just sort of freaked out. I mean, you know, I was just very anxious about it. But you know, gradually I learned it. I got confident about it. I'm still not totally confident. But I'm just saying that if I had right away thought, I can never learn that, I'm not going to even try. Well, that would have cut off a big part of what I'm doing with my life right now. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been fair to myself or other people that are learning this way. So I don't know, whatever it is that comes up, maybe it's public speaking and you think, oh, no, I, no, I can't do that, you know. Um, you know, give yourself a little time to get used to the idea and, and there are many things that we can do that we don't think we can do. And, and one of the kind of things that helps me with this, it, you know, we call this um, podcast Many Hats, and to physically, I mean, um, imaginatively think of changing hats, actual hats. It's like a conscious shifting of your role. So 
I'm in the studio, I'm doing stuff, and then I think, okay, I've got to go um, make a video or record something. It's almost like, okay, now I'm a different person. I'm in a different role, put a different hat on, and now I am competent technology person. <laughs> or I try to summon her up anyway. Um, and it it's kind of empowering to think you can wear all these hats. And, and it's challenging for sure. And as we said, there are some that may never be a good fit, but there's probably more you can do than you than you actually realize. Something that I like to do is have little workstations kind of around the house so that when I'm changing mm. what I'm doing throughout the day, I can actually move into a new area. And that change of setting tends to help me kind of reset my my thinking and help me to get focused on a new task. Uh, and that's yeah. one reason why I really like having a laptop is because even if I'm working on the same thing in a laptop, I can move from my uh, my recording booth to my little workshop that I have set up to the kitchen table, to the counter, you know, uh, mm -hmm. or to the couch. And having that different, that change of setting helps me to to shift into that new focus. Yeah, I like that. Like you said, a reset, um, starting over, changing gears here. <laughs> And just for the record, I do not have a huge house. Like this is not like I have it an abundance of space. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing you know. <laughs> I'm picturing these little workstations all over your Yeah, small it's it's house. just you have a number of areas <laughs> that where you can do work. And so I mean it can be really simple. Um, but just having mm. that change of setting, um, you know, is okay, well I'm here and I'm going to work on this now. You know, it, it gives you a it, yeah. and if you don't have if you have like a very small house, you're living in a tiny house or something, go outside. You know, or go right. to the coffee shop or do you know, do something where you can you can change that setting just a little bit. Yeah, it almost feels like a different role, which is kind of interesting, you know, because we play all these different roles. And um I think oftentimes we have sort of unrealistic expectations about the main thing we do, which is making art. Um, I think underneath it all, we sort of think that we should have endless time in the studio, you know, and that just seems like the way it should be. And and that's sort of an underlying assumption. I know I feel this. I think, what what's wrong with today? I only managed to get in the studio for a short time this really can create a lot of stress and, and create this overwhelming feeling, this frustration that, you know, it's not, the day is not unfolding with endless time to make art. And one of the things that helps me with that is, again, it's, it's about attitude. And I think, wow, you know, having an art practice for a lot of people is more of a dream. It's, they're not there yet and they want to do it, but they, they don't, they haven't got there yet. And if you're actually pulling this off, um, to kind of acknowledge the, the privilege of it, the joy of it, the, we talked about this once on an earlier podcast, but thinking of, um, things as I get to do it. And not only I get to do my art, but I get to do my taxes and I get to do, you know, my record keeping because those are part of it. That's what supports the art practice. And so I do actually try to shift my attitude when it's a task I do not want to do into this also is a privilege. This also is good because it's part of the big picture and it, 
it sort of lifts me up a little bit. It, you know, it seems a little bit less tedious, I guess. <laughs> um, and I think in terms of attitude too, just to try not to be too hard of yourself, we've already said, you know, don't beat yourself up too much if you're not doing everything all that well. But I think if you ask any artist, how did they learn to do the practical aspects of their work when they were starting out? And you're going to hear stories of woe and disaster and problem areas. And as you said in the intro, you know, it's learning by trial and error. And eventually, you know, you figure out what works. And and yet you you know that you've had some embarrassing moments or sometimes when you thought, oh, really? Did I do that stupid thing? <laughs> I mean, one time I lost my whole mailing list. Um, this is years ago when I really was less computer savvy, but something happened and I managed to delete the whole thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, that happened. Moving on. Um, you just do this stuff because you don't really know what you're doing and then you figure it out after a while. Um, so I guess just in the, the time that we have left to kind of get back to some of the practical aspects and tips and advice and, and what you said early on, you know, um, think about hiring help, even if it's just something small, just, just one job or just some one small ongoing thing. It doesn't have to be, you are my studio assistant and you're going to do everything, but, like you said, maybe you're my social media person and it's not going to take all that much time. And, you know, that's one thing that, that you, the artist, don't have to do. Um, well, and I would also recommend um, not taking on employees. <laughs> you know, uh, like, like yeah. you don't want to have to have payroll. Um, mm. I, I would I would recommend looking for services that you can purchase mm. um, and 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 go about hiring people to to solve your problems by outsourcing the things that you don't want to do or can't do in in a way that is cost effective and makes your life easier not more complicated that's a good point I mean when you're paying somebody it does enter a whole new realm of complication <laughs> uh, on the other hand let's say you know your neighbor teenage kid wants to come over and gesso your panels for you and, and you pay them cash or whatever it, you know, on the level of sort of a babysitting job, you know, I mean, sometimes people have people in their lives that will do small jobs for not a lot of money. And it, it's just like an occasional thing, you know, I, I think we gotta be careful not to tell people to do anything. that's technically illegal. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you pay somebody less than $400 cash uh, uh, per year, for services that you right. don't need to report that in any right. way. I think that's um, right. Yes, you're right. Yeah, but, <laughs> but let's, I mean, we don't want to get in it, trouble. It's kind of messed up that it could be illegal to hire your, you know, the neighbor kid to, to do a little cleaning or gesso some panels for you, but you got to be careful about this stuff. No, I, I think you're right. So, or at up. least we have to be careful about what we recommend to our <laughs> listeners. True, Ross. Well, I guess, you know, look up whatever your local laws about this sort of thing. I mean, people hire babysitters and lawnmowers and things like that. So it, it's, I'm, I'm talking in that realm. And if you, you know, know, know what the rules are and, and don't break them. Don't break the rules. Um, <laughs> we said it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, I also think when you come up against something that you've never done before, like let's say you want to ship, you, you have to ship a piece of your work that's very delicate or something. or um, 
or you have to ship internationally and you have no clue or you're going to teach your first workshop and you're just confounded by what's involved. It's really good to find a friend, somebody you know to brainstorm this with or somebody who's had experience with it as opposed to uh, just Googling it, which of course, you know, lots of us do that first thing. How do you ship internationally? And you can Google that. Uh, on the other hand, if, if somebody you know does this, I think they're going to have better insight about what really works and they can help you. So uh, asking, asking people, you know, and, and even, even people that, uh, I will, I wouldn't ask somebody that you didn't know very well. And, and that can be a little annoying when people approach you for advice and they're just basically strangers. Uh, but anybody that you feel a little bit connected with, I think, I think artists are usually willing to, to talk and, you know, help people out with their own experience. And, um, another thing that helps me is I try to identify what is really daunting about what's ahead of me. What are the roadblocks? What just seems like, oh, if I could only get that done, I'd be fine, <laughs> you know? And this comes up for me with different things. It comes up with taxes. It comes up with um, getting ready for a show. There might be certain um, aspects of that that are difficult. And when I was getting ready for the studio tour, what was in my way was the fact that I am really bad at preparing panels. Once I paint them, it's all painting's done, but the sides are not cleaned up. There's no wire on the back, you know, this kind of thing, the, the presentation part. And I, I know artists who, when they finish a painting, they do all that, and then the whole thing is done. I am not that person. <laughs> they, they sit around in piles, all messy and, and needing help. So, when I got ready, thinking about the studio tour, oh, there's all this stuff and it's a big mess. And yesterday, my wonderful sister-in-law came over and to her, it was it was kind of fun. She was fine. She she uh, put all the wires and screws and stuff on the back of every one of my paintings that needed it. And she was super cheerful about it. And, you know, and we had a good time and we were talking. And this happened also when I was moving and, and somebody would show up and help me with something that was just blocking my energy or something. So if you can get help with something that's really tedious, but maybe not a big deal to somebody else and just a friend or something, um, you can get it done in a few hours and you feel so much better about it. Um, another another approach to those sort of tedious things where you know you got to do it yourself is just dedicate a block of times to it. You know, this this afternoon I am going to get this thing done uh, another trick I use is I am going to spend an hour on it, and at the end of an hour, if I want to quit, I will. Otherwise, I'll keep going. So just little little strategies of time management. Um, I, I think it's good to recognize if you are a person who works well in a chunk of time to get a bigger task done, or are you a person who is good at doing it as you go? Um, do you, with your financial records, do you sort of keep that up during the year or do you leave it to tax time and, and you figure you're going to spend a week doing it? Um, or is there some halfway measure, you know, and do the best you can during the year, but you know, you're going to need a, a block of time uh, when, when the deadline is, is close. Um, would you be okay with dedicating a day a week to things that are not painting or whatever it is you do? 
and just try to get everything done in that day and not even think about going to the studio. That's, you know, that's a personal choice that could um, So I, I, there's not a right or wrong way. I mean, I, I think the main thing is you may, you don't need the pressure of thinking you're doing it wrong because somebody else says do it this way or you notice a very organized, successful person doing it that way and and you think, oh, you know, wow, I'm really falling short here. Um, and just, you know, what's right for you as an individual when you're we, we're faced with, with so much stuff? Um, and the last point about time management is try to stay focused on what is your, what are your goals, what fits your overall focus, and question things that may be presented to you as opportunities, but they're not really. They're diversions. Um, you you oh, actually you can wear a lot of hats, but there is a limit to those hats. <laughs> and every time you say yes to some something, it's going to involve a lot of time, a lot of steps. Um, things like somebody approaches you to lead a local arts group or. Um, somebody wants you to do a workshop at a time that doesn't really work for you, but you think, okay, I'll say yes because I want it. I want the job. Um, maybe you you're approached about some exhibit that doesn't really fit the schedule, and, and even commissions. I mean, sometimes you you might be approached about a commission and and say, wow, really, I can't right now. And those are hard things to say no to. Um, and and that's that's an area I fall short on. I mean, I I try. I've gotten much better at it. I think when we're starting out, the tendency is to say yes to every opportunity, and then after a while, you realize mm, they're not all really serving you well. So, guarding your time, I guess. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Well, we know what our main job is as artists, right? To make art. <laughs> That's the main hat to wear, and the rest of it has to fall into place. Um, and we didn't even talk about all the the other aspects of art practice, which are emotional or whatever. And we cover that in plenty of other podcasts. This is just the practical stuff. And, and it is not easy. And I will say as a final thought that the best solution for me when I am feeling overwhelmed by tasks and things to do and all that stuff is go paint, <laughs> even just for a little while, because it always reminds me of what I love about, you know, my life as an artist. And the rest of it is what simply needs to be done in order to support that life. So, you know, getting back to that core enjoyment, even if it's for a short time, during the day when you're you're feeling overwhelmed is is important i think all right well that just about wraps up this episode of the messy studio for more from the messy studio please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list you can also find the messy studio on facebook as well as public profiles for both rebecca kroll and myself ross tickner for more from rebecca kroll please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and cold wax academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events book signings and openings the messy studio podcast is a core publication management production thanks for listening we'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment 
In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.